Skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are going to want to come film this. Put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out. I just see it, I just see it, I just see it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab and it came back as an unknown creature. Hey guys and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. We are your connoisseurs of strange, navigating the treacherous waters of the unknown, diving deep into the Mariana Trench of weird information then surfacing up to the swirling vortex of the Bermuda Triangle to bring you guys the most bizarre encounters imaginable, then dissecting them with the skills of a pathologist to theorize what exactly is going on in this bizarre reality we all reside in. I am the one and only Shane Squatch. (laughs) And I am the people's champ, Orrin Felix. Oh my goodness, so much pressure. Well, I'm just Jenny one more time. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the best way you could possibly come into it. Same with the, you got to get more intense as you come in the intro and then hit it light with that. I'm Shane Squatch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to run out of wrestling nicknames at some point. Hey, then you just got to start kicking into UFC nicknames and you, there's a hundred other different fighting things you, you can go. do. You can go into boxing, like you're good. And then after that, you can even get into like the weird Russian slap slap games thing. Like there's a million titles you can use if you're trying to keep it with the uh, fighting references. <laughs> well, I'll have to start a spreadsheet. You just got to think of really intense ones to use for when I get really intense with the intro. And uh, when I keep it light, then you got to do like light, light fighters. Then you got to do like, uh, you know, Cream Puff Johnson. I don't know. Some fucking weird fluffy <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> it's better than Cream Pie Johnson, I guess. Oh, yeah. Cream Pie Johnson. That's that's slightly questionable. He's just so gooey and oozy. Ew. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, Bizarre over here and uh, Bizarre Encounters After Dark. We haven't told you guys this yet, but this is actually Bizarre Encounters After Dark. And the whole thing, we're just going to be raunchy. There's not going to be any deep dives. It's just, just going to be us talking about weird, gross shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. Speaking of weird, gross shit, something I got to throw in as we're getting into uh, all the cool stuff going on with all of us this week. So trying to save myself from a little bit of work, my girlfriend went above and beyond and bought one of those robotic kitty litter fucking things. And every like 15 minutes, I hear this thing fucking rotate. But the first (laughs) time it got used, everything stuck to one side. So (laughs) I haven't quite figured it out if it's worth the money or not yet. But so far, I at least enjoy not having to clean out the litter box. But now you have a robot in your house. So, I mean... And it's connected to the internet, man. It's going to fight yeah. back. And it's going to start throwing yeah. shit at me or something. Yeah, your <laughs> robot overlord kitty litter device. <laughs> Starts throwing it out of the drawer in the bottom. Like, fuck you, human. Eat my shit. <laughs> it's not even your shit, you little fuck. It's the gatos. <laughs> 
But uh, as far as my end, that's that's about all the new stuff, of course. And, you know, make, doing stuff with the TikTok and video and all that kind of bullshit, trying to grow the show as much as I possibly can. Which, of course, you know, if you guys have any TikTok, YouTube, all that shit, if you guys don't mind sharing the stuff, always appreciated. But as far as you guys go, anything new going on with you guys before we get into it today? Uh, no, not a whole lot going on on our end. Uh, just excited to get into this topic. This is one I've been looking forward to for a while. And um, if y'all have seen our social medias, you probably saw a little bit about this topic uh, probably a couple weeks ago at this point. So, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Anything on your end, babe? No, I am all good over here. So, so I guess uh, we'll try to keep it short in the beginning so we can hop into this awesome stuff today. So updates, I'm going to keep doing this until it happens. Uh, at least to me, I'm going to be vending at Squonkapalooza for Inquiries of Our Reality and Bizarre Encounters. So if anybody's interested in coming to that, that's going to be August 26th in Johnstown, uh, Pennsylvania, in Central Park, downtown. And it's a free event, so if anybody is willing to make the trip, it's definitely going to be worth it. There's a lot of awesome people that are going to be coming, a lot of awesome vendors, uh, myself included also. And uh, if anybody is interested in coming, if you guys don't mind opening up a line of communication, let me know you're coming, then it'll be a little bit more fun for everybody because I can point at you and be like, hey, I know you. And the funny part is I say that on the show almost every episode, but I will literally do that. If I see you and I know you, I will literally point, stare at you really awkwardly and say, hey, I know you. And then you'll laugh. It'll be fun. It'll be fun for everybody. So just do it. Why not? And as always, do all the internet things. Like us on social media. Contact us through social media or through email. BizarreEncounters at Outlook.com. Any suggestions for local lore topics slash locations? Um, any researchers? Any uh, topics or anybody that wants to contribute in any way? Reach out to us. Do the internet things. You guys already know what's up, so go and do it. And while you're in the process of doing that... Don't forget, we need you guys to support the show in order for us to do all the awesome things that we want to do with the show and keep expanding what we're trying to do. So there's a couple different ways to do that. You guys can always donate to the show directly through Red Circle, which is our RSS host. Uh, You guys can go and join the Patreon, where there you'll get early access to episodes. You'll get lives of episodes, live replays of episodes if you're not able to make it to the lives of the episodes, which is the raw video format. Uh, There's exclusive merch store discounts, uh, monthly hangouts, a bunch of cool stuff. Always add into it. Multiple tiers. So go and figure out which one suits you guys the best. And if there's other things that you guys would like me to include at the Patreon, uh, just let us know. I'm always happy to coordinate, figure stuff out. But, you know, I'm doing stuff from my end, but I don't know what exactly you guys want to see from your end. So if there's stuff you guys want to see, all you got to do is just let me know, and I'd be more than happy to incorporate it into things. And then the third way you guys can support the show is by going and getting yourself some awesome Bizarre Encounters and Bite Size Bizarreties merchandise from the Open Minds Media Merch Store. My one request is that if any of you guys scoop any gear from over there, if you guys don't mind sending us some pictures of you guys wearing it, we would love to be able to repost it on social media, show that there's love and support out there for the show. And as I'm always saying, love and support for the show is the only way the show is going to grow. And at least you guys can say, hey, I helped that show grow. That's all on you guys because we're doing everything from our end, but it's never going to get to where it needs to be unless you guys share the shit out of it, comment, interact with us, all that stuff. You ain't even got to donate money or nothing like that. If you guys interact and just get the name out, that's amazing. And we thank you guys immensely for that type of stuff. And uh, also, while you guys are supporting some other creators, don't forget to go and check out Joe at Crypto Theology. Um, I'm going to keep it short as far as that stuff goes this week, but you guys see me always post this stuff on Instagram. You guys know what he's got. You guys know he's got some amazing designs. So do yourself a favor. Get yourself a little present. Go and get yourself some cryptid gear from 
Crypto Theology and from our store. And just a little update that I forgot to say for our store, I am working on some new designs for the store. Uh, one of them will be this new design that I've been sharing with Oren. And uh, I think Jenny's seen it too. But uh, yeah. it says Stay Bizarre on it. It's pretty cool. Hasn't dropped yet, but it will be dropping on social media before it drops on the merch store. And you guys can go and scoop that. And I think you guys will definitely really enjoy it. All right. Hey, guys. Knock, knock. Who's there? Link. Link who? It's the motherfucking link tree. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> it's in the show notes in the show description. So no shit. <laughs> I can't find God. it, but now it's so easy. It's just, it's down in the show Yay! description. All I had to do was scroll down and I found it. There it is. <laughs> ba ba ba. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so uh, with that, this week, uh, I guess I normally kind of, I don't want to say run the show, but I kind of get everything rolling, kind of sit on the, the side, mixing the board, all that kind of fun shit. But this week, because it is such a topic that Oren was really into, he really wanted to cover, and this is probably going to be the format going forward, is that anybody that does the research for the episode is going to end up taking the reins for the episode. So with that, of course, I'm passing it over to Oren. Take the reins, sir, on this awesome deep dive that you did. All right. Uh, so... Thank you, Shane, for that awesome intro. I will try to uh, hold up my end of the bargain. but um, I got to hype you up, man. That's how I do. <laughs> I'm the hype man. <laughs> Heck yeah. So uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about the Withville, Virginia UFO flap. And this is not something that I even knew about until last year. And to commemorate the 35th anniversary of the flap, which happened in 1987, they did a... Um, a festival in Withville, Virginia. It's organized uh, by the guys over at Mystic Novelty Company. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have probably seen them on Instagram. I'm pretty they sure that some, I bought a cologne from them. They bought, they do yeah, the, moth the moth cologne. Man. I wear that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I think it's like a husband and wife team. They make some awesome stuff and they kind of organize, head up this festival. Uh, we missed it last year. I actually found out about it like the week after. So when we saw it on the docket this year, we're like, okay, we've got to go. It's like three hours away. Um, and so maybe we'll talk a little bit about the festival some more at the end, but um, I'll just kind of jump right into the Withville UFO flap and kind of what it was, and then we'll just kick around some ideas. I'm already fascinated. Throw me the deets, my friend. All right. So all this started in 1987 in a small southwestern Virginia town called Withville. Spelled um, weird as fuck. I got to throw yes. that one in there. <laughs> yeah, it's spelled W-Y-T-H-E-V-I-L-L-E. So it looks like Wytheville, but it's actually with. So if I pronounce it wrong, it's because it's spelled really weird. But. Also, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just to help you guys Google it, if you want any more information, Withville, W-Y-T-H-E-V-I-L-L-E. But anyway, so this is largely regarded as one of the largest ufo flaps ever recorded and uh the story was kind of documented by two gentlemen um danny b gordon and paul dellinger and they actually wrote a book about it in 1988 after the flap kind of died down and the book is titled don't look up uh it's a really good read um i just got it off amazon uh a month or so before the festival not to get so confused could, with the netflix movie just want to throw that one in exactly. there because i know a lot of people are going to question that it's not the same thing <laughs> No, Leo DiCaprio is not involved in this book at all. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's a really good read. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I mean, I would definitely recommend any of our listeners picking it up if they're interested in any of 
this foolishness I'm talking about tonight. But and you guys uh, know you're interested because why else would you be here? Exactly. But anyway, so Danny Gordon was the news and sports director at the radio station WYVE in Withville. And he kind of became the local hub for people um, submitting reports of UFO activity and sightings that they had. It's kind of a little bit like how John Keel kind of became the central figure in the Mothman saga and documented it. That's kind of how Danny Gordon was with the Withville flap. I mean, even Steve Cook with uh, the whole Michigan Dogman thing. I want to throw that in there, that there's a lot of these like radio hosts that end up being like the forefronter on a lot of this kind of stuff. And kind of ironic, it just shows that it just transferred into podcasting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. when you look at stuff that happened 35, 40, I mean, 50 years ago in some of these cases, it kind of makes sense that, you know, the radio was the go-to medium for a lot of this stuff. Shit, it still is, just a new updated format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the but, radio uh, hosts anyway. are now doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make money somehow. Mm-hmm. They should. They just take the show off the FM network and just put it on a podcast feed. <laughs> Fucking smart as shit. Just saying. But anyways. <laughs> uh, so uh, at the height of the flap, Danny Gordon was receiving as many as 500 phone calls a month. And some of those are, of course, sightings and people just, you know, generally curious in the case and whatnot. Um, but anyway, so like I said, Danny Gordon was a reporter at the local... Uh, radio station and then Paul Dellinger the other gentleman who co-wrote the book with him was a reporter for the Roanoke Times and World News newspaper and they had their office in the same building as the uh, the radio station so these guys you know were basically working in the same building saw all this stuff and kind of started documenting it so the story really began in October of 1987 when the uh, Wythe County Sheriff Wayne Pike told Danny Gordon that five of his officers had witnessed multiple silent UFOs in the Withville area. So this was kind of like a normal ongoing thing where, uh, you know, whenever a, a news story came up, the sheriff would kind of share it with Danny and he'd just do like a quick 60 second spot on the on the radio station about it. So that's what he did in this case. He did a 60 second report on the story. And at that point, it got picked up by several no uh, local and national news outlets. And so Danny started getting a lot of calls into the station from local residents who had also seen weird things up in the sky lately. So uh, after they started getting a lot of these calls into the station, uh, Danny Gordon and Paul Dellinger decided to take these anonymous calls and record them. And then they were going to like replay them later in like a 60 minute special. Um, so many of the accounts were remarkably consistent. What these people were describing seeing uh, a lot of the descriptions were of silent crafts with blinking lights of all different colors, mostly um, green and red. But, you know, like I said, there was reports of everything. Just a quick side and note, are those recordings available? Like, are, are they recordings that have been hidden or whatever, or did you find them on the internet? Just so if any of the listeners want to go and find them, they know if they're available. So honestly, in my research in this topic, there's not a lot of stuff out there. Like, even on YouTube, um, there there's not a lot about it. Like, there's not even a Wikipedia page about this. Uh, so last that time our recording might still be out there somewhere, it's just not known to be out there? 
I mean, it's probably in the basement in this radio station, uh, for all we know at this point. But yeah, there's not a lot of stuff about this. So I think it's really cool that they're doing this festival convention, whatever you want to call it, to kind of bring attention to this case. Um, that said, it's also, really interesting, any so. listeners happen to find that recording, send it to us. Yeah, yeah. We'd definitely be down for that. And then we can repost it and get it out to some more listeners. So yeah, if anybody finds that, anybody knows where it's at, send it to us, please. <laughs> but uh, one of the women who called in, uh, she reported seeing what she described as large army green airplanes. And there wasn't really like any military, uh, military bases or installations around this area. So it was kind of odd to see army planes just randomly show up. But um, one of the main things that people reported were seeing formations of lights that seemed to like fly in close formation and then separate and then reconnect or come back together. So it'd be like a cluster of three or four or five lights flying together. And then a few of them would kind of pop off from the main cluster. And then after a certain amount of time, come back. When you say come back, would they all form into one cluster or was it just still in like the flying pattern? Yeah, so it's still like four. Like four was the most um, most commonly reported. Like I can show you the the cover of the book here, just so you can see. Like this is a reproduction, of course, but we actually saw the photos yeah. at the convention. But uh, yeah, like four individual orbs almost, and like two of them would shoot off, and then they'd like all come back together in formation. Gotcha. I was going to throw my particle theory if they all be <laughs> all came into one, but if it's sitting as separate ones, I, it's some type of like flight pattern yeah, assumably, or a ship that can spread into multiple pieces. Yeah. Something flying in formation. Uh, but this is kind of something that I thought was interesting, not super relevant to the rest of the case, but uh, you guys will see where I'm going with this one. Um, one of the callers said that they had observed these things and they said in their opinion, and this is a quote, it's some living creature. I don't think it's a machine. And that was interesting to me just because of, you know, like uh, our pals, Justin and Jay over at um, Cryptids of the Corn, you know, they do a lot with biological UFOs and then like the whole thing from Jordan Peele's Nope and all that. So I thought it was kind of cool that this woman basically made that assumption leap, whatever, in 1987. So that was just kind of a random thing that I wanted to throw in there that I thought was pretty cool. I just want to throw this theory in there, too. Have you guys ever heard of the game Spacecraft? Mm -mm. So you guys are familiar with what Warcraft is, right? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Well, it's made by the same developers, but it's called Spacecraft. It was like one of the old computer, like, point-click kind of like strategy war games from back in, you know, 90s, early 2000s. But anyways, point I'm trying to get at, uh, there's three different races in that. One of them, there's two alien races and then the human race. But one of the alien races was like a biological race in the aspect of like, they didn't have machine buildings. Uh, all their vehicles weren't machines. They were like biological things. So like you would build the building and it would be like a breathing building because it was like a biological huh. breathing building. But what I wanted to throw in as a possibility here is that, you know, other different types of creatures could possibly learn how to create using different forms of things. So we've learned how to create from a mechanical standpoint of using like metals, woods, like whatever, all that type of stuff. But that doesn't mean that there's not other species, different types of things that may not have learned how to develop their technology using biological technology. Because if you really break it down, a lot of the biological shit is seen almost like a computer. 
Like it functions almost like a computer. So, I mean, that step into that for an advanced cu culture doesn't seem like it might be that far off. I mean, we're in a way kind of working towards that too. So I just wanted to throw in the fact that this ship could be biological, so to speak. It could be made of living tissue, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it might be like conscious itself. It might be just a piloted ship that is made up of a different type of matter that doesn't fully make sense to us just because our brains don't work that way and we haven't, we, yeah. we aren't making things that are like biological flesh things as technology. But yeah, I mean, the closest thing we can equate it to is it looks like a living, breathing thing. Now, that, that's a really cool point. But yeah, it doesn't mean that it's conscious, it just means that it was created from tissue. So, um, during all of this, uh, Danny Gordon actually had several sightings himself, and he reported seeing crafts of like all the you know the normal UFO descriptions. He saw triangle-shaped crafts. He saw you know classic flying saucers. He saw cigar-shaped craft. He saw a lot of orbs and balls of light. So basically, just any UFO report craft what have you that you guys have ever heard of they claim to see them during this flap so uh on october 23rd 1987 uh danny gordon released the ufo information on a live radio news conference and at that point in time kind of based off of the people he had talked to and what he had seen it was his opinion that the crafts were of military origins and he thought that the military had lost something in the Withville area. And that's kind of why, you know, there's all these craft and activities. They were looking for whatever the military or the government had yeah, lost. Didn't he like say when he spoke that, that it could have possibly been drones, which were drones. We know they were a thing back then, but they weren't a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like government technology drones. wise. Yeah. I mean, they're what yeah. 30 years advanced is what they say. So like the technology we have now was the same they had 30 years ago. So, I mean, that kind of correlates with around the eighties that we have active drones now that are functioning. So there's no reason why the military didn't have the same drones that residents have now 30 years ago, back when this was happening. Exactly, and correct me if I'm if I'm no, wrong. no. You're he he said that that's kind of what he thought at some point. But he's like, "What the fuck are they looking for? Like, why why did they have drones out here looking for so, things?" So yeah, kind of skipping ahead a little bit. We're going to Tarantino it, but oh sorry, no, 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 no. no this <laughs> is a good point. But no, he he kind of said in the talk he gave at the conference that um, he thought a lot of these things were of extraterrestrial origin, but that basically he also thinks that a lot of that UFO of sightings them, yeah. are basically the government spying on people. When I, I thought that kind of went with what you were saying about like, what were they looking at? Well, you know? and, and just the wording of it, that kind of stuck out to me. Cause you guys have heard me beat this Lost drum something. ad nauseum. <laughs> like that's like when, you know, I grew up across from the military base and there was all the weird stuff going on. That's like what my parents would just casually say, oh, they must be looking for something out there. Like, And so just like the wording being so similar, mm -hmm. I, I just thought it was really weird. I think Hear so me well. out, just to throw in a possible theory here. So we have these UFO flaps that'll happen in specific regions and they happen every once in a while, like random times. But anyways, what if getting into my whole like wormhole and all that kind of portal theory. What if there's certain times where like, there's a 
there's like an open gate in particular areas. And then when those gates are open, that's what all of these things use as almost like a like a central station central station almost. And that changes depending on what the most like prevalent portal is at that time. Cause what if portals are one of those things that they like expand and contract kind of a thing. So they may not always be in the same location all the time, but whatever the most open portal is at that time is what they all use to get in through the different reality get into our reality. So that's why you have all these weird flaps in different locations is because that's where that portal is the most open at that time to get to this reality is in that spot. So everybody just takes advantage of it at that time. Yeah. I mean, it could be something as simple as just like magnetism or energies or earth's rotation, whatever yeah. is the, the strong being. Thinner. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely. A lot of this in like October. And stuff. yeah. So we're going to talk about that a little right. bit later. Yeah, that's good. But, um, so, like I said, at this point in time, uh, Danny Gordon believed that the crafts they were observing were of a military origin. There's the lady who said that she saw the big army green airplanes, and um, there are also numerous residents that claim to see jets and other military aircraft, and they'd see these, what appeared to be normal behaving military aircraft in an area either immediately before or after a ufo sighting quote-unquote ufo so that led him to believe that these unexplainable things were just part of whatever this military thing that was going on were uh and there was also a lot of like helicopter activity during this period and they were uh people even saw helicopters like flying the same flight paths as these UFOs had been seen. And there's also reports of military aircraft pursuing these orbs and lights and UFOs. So I want to throw in another theory at this point, unless you, unless you want to, you have something. Go ahead. So when it, like you have all these things where there's like a UFO that's seen and then you see government planes or helicopters, whatever that'll end up following it going into just two different possible ideas for it. Either one, if it is government technology, if they're testing out new technology and they're using new materials such as like radioactive materials, different things like that, and they try to test this thing out, see how its flight is, what if they send these military copters and different things behind it to see like what effect it may have had on the land? Like if they're using like radioactive material to make sure that it's not like fucking up the forest, fucking up whatever in the process of trying to figure out how to make this thing function. And then if you're coming at it from the, or even just going back to even possible with that, if they're looking for something, what if they were testing technology, it crashed. And when it comes to a lot of this stuff where it's like the UFO crashes, um, half of them could be crashed government technology. And it's easier for them to say, oh, it's a UFO than for them to say, oh, that's our technology. Because you got to think about it from other government standpoints that if they know that's a UFO and that that government's working on it, or some type of like weird advanced flying technology, then they're going to hop on to figuring out what the hell that government's doing. And they're going to start trying to create it themselves. But if they pretend like they know fucking nothing about it, it was an alien, something crashed, then no other governments are looking at them like it's their technology. So they could almost be using alien crashes as a cover up for their technology. No, I'm with you a hundred percent. I'm sure I've probably said this on the show at some point. Like I, it's my opinion at this point that, there is a small percentage of UFO sightings that are truly extraterrestrial, unexplainable craft. I think, you know, a lot of them are probably misidentified, you know, 
natural phenomenon, and I think a lot of them probably are either normal, just run-of-the-mill aircraft, or like you said, this experimental government stuff. Um, and in situations like this, it could be as simple as these helicopters, these planes are just observing these tests or whatnot of these crafts. So now I think you're, you're definitely onto something there. And that's kind of where I land at this point. I think, you know, more than one thing can be true at a time. Like a lot of these UFO sightings could be government testing, government technology, but that doesn't mean that UFOs aren't real and UFOs aren't visiting us. Hey, man, it could be something as simple, too, as there is an honest, actual UFO sighting, and everybody's like, oh, shit, there was a UFO. So then the government takes advantage of that one real sighting to test their technology because everybody will assume that it's the same UFO flap. So they might, like, there might be one, and then they said, fuck it, run all the stuff. See how fast we can fly it, see how we can use it, and make everybody assume that it's all part of that UFO that was seen. Like, yeah, it's a chicken and egg situation at that point. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, moving on a little bit. Around this time, um, Danny Gordon received a phone call at his home, and whoever was on the other line said that his phone had been tapped and he was being watched and followed and that he had better stop talking about UFOs. And he also received a letter with like no postage, no signature, anything like that saying that the UFO flap involved a secret government operation and warned him to leave it alone. And his house was broken into, but nothing was taken. So this is, you know, all common men in black stuff. You know, the, the letter with no signatures, whatever. To me, that sounds a lot like John Keel and his letters from the international bankers or whatever. I was going to say too, with the nothing taken, you know, if you were going to sneak, sneak into somebody's house and you're trying to get something that you saw as precious, you may not want to leave a trace of you actually taking anything. So if he had like recordings of people talking about their sightings or documents on the sightings, all of that kind of stuff, you could literally take pictures of it. You can record it on the recording device. You can take all that information. That's the most detrimental information without anybody even knowing that you took anything. I just want to throw yeah. that in there that I think yeah. that if he had information, that's what they took. They did take stuff, but they just didn't physically take it. And then they send a message at that point, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at this point, you know, Danny still thought that this was largely a government military type operation going on. Uh, So around this time, a Tennessee Air National Guard technical uh, sergeant, excuse me, he contacted the Associated Press and they ran a story of this guy basically saying, that uh, these light formations that were seen splitting up and coming back together were refueling maneuvers that were being done by his uh, his unit or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so this explanation seemed to largely satisfy the public. A lot of the stuff kind of died down after that. But uh, Danny Gordon was still pretty skeptical about that. So he called the National Guard base in Knoxville, Tennessee, to get a statement from this sergeant who made these claims. Uh, He never got to speak to the actual sergeant, but he spoke to a major at the base, and he said that that information was entirely wrong. He said that uh, sometimes they did do kind of refueling maneuvers and whatnot in the Withville area, but they occurred at such high altitudes that people wouldn't really be able to see them and that they couldn't be responsible for all of these sightings that people were making. 
So at this point, that's when Danny Gordon really began to kind of question that this was solely something government military going on and kind of started entertaining other options at that point. Y'all got anything before I move on? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I'm just fascinated. I'm just listening, man. This (laughs) is good. This is good. All right. So by the end of October, and so we're talking about like less than a month at this point, there was over a thousand reported sightings in the area. So at this point, Danny Gordon and Paul Dellinger planned to have a UFO conference, and it was held on November 18th, 1987 at Withville Community College, which is where the festival that oh, we went to at the same place yeah all the same complex oh, full so, fucking circle yep. full <laughs> fucking they circle. know they did that yes. on purpose <laughs> <laughs> so they just had like a conference had uh speakers come in they had like the virginia mufon representative come in so anyway a few months later they had another conference because the reports kept rolling in and you know uh the media was still covering this story So they had this one at a local movie theater and Danny spoke at the second conference and he said by that point he had spotted a total of 19 UFOs himself. And again, that was like of all the different shapes and sizes and orbs and all the different UFOs. Um, I got to ask if you know this question offhand, what was the most common occurring type of UFO? Um, so it seems to me that like, just not necessarily orbs, like we think of them, like, you know, the, the balls of light that are, you know, basketball size seem to be under intelligent control. It was just like basically spotlight kind of type situation, just like balls of light in the sky seemed really common. And then a lot of people talked about these like hovering silent crafts. There's a lot of triangle shaped crafts reported, but uh, a lot of them claim to have like blinking lights, which almost sounds more like something man-made terrestrial with like you know these red and green blinking lights on them, kind of like airplanes and boats. My, and my mind always goes towards have. government technology when I hear pyramid crafts to begin with, like uh, not not pyramid pyramid, like the tall pyramids. But when I hear of like triangle crafts, yeah, like, like triangle. My, shape, my mind always so. goes towards military, especially because they're always blacked out too. It just just sounds straight military to me. But I'm not yeah, saying so. that that is for sure. But I'm just saying that's where my gut feeling is. Yeah, so I think basically the most common were the balls of light and then the triangle-shaped crafts. Trying to be incognito. So how do we do it? We make our bottom of our ship a giant fucking bright light. That's the way to go. (laughs) Hiding in plain sight. (laughs) Is that a star? Is it a plane? Is it the sun? Who fucking knows? It's a UFO. Uh, So at this second conference that they held uh danny gordon announced that the following week he would be going to virginia beach and he was going to be giving a speech at the united press international broadcasters convention so he was you know a long time sports news whatever reporter prior to all this so he was basically being given an award and honored at this convention and he was going to make a speech and so of course he kind of used this to talk about the ufo flap a little bit But anyway, before he could leave, he received a phone call from a man who identified himself as William Lawrence Smith, which sounds like a serial killer or an assassin. Anybody that actively uses three names always sounds like a serial killer. (laughs) Always a red flag. (laughs) 
But uh, this fellow, Mr. Smith, claimed that he was from Clifton Forge, Virginia, and he said he had an association with the police chief there. And the book doesn't really go into what he meant by association. I don't know if the guy even said. But anyway, Smith went on to tell Danny Gordon, and this is a quote, if you go down to Virginia Beach, you're pursuing something I have been, but you are new to it. So Smith went on to say that he was told by friends in the intelligence community that they, quote unquote, would go after Gordon's children to get to him if he kept reporting on the UFO flap. And Smith also said that he believed that the UFOs that were being seen were not extraterrestrial in origin, but here's another quote, from members of a global society of very powerful people, and anyone who investigates these things usually comes into a whole lot of problems. The Illuminati. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll just say the elites, because I don't even like using terminology Illuminati, but the, not just the elites, but the elite elites. Because yeah. I think that there's there's a there's a range within the elites, and there's well, the high the elite elites you have never even heard of their name, and the low end elites are the ones that you think that you're smart catching on to, like the Rothschilds, all that. They're the low end of the spectrum, I think. Well, that's something we talk about all the time. Like Illuminati is like such a loaded word at this point. Like I just call them Freemasons. I, mean, I feel like that's a more fitting <laughs> name, anyways. Satanists yeah, or I Freemasons, mean, depending on which side of the spectrum they're on. But it all kind of collaborates. But I feel yeah. like there's. Like kind of a split, but not really. It's all kind of, I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing to explain, but yeah, I feel like Freemasons is a better name for it. (laughs) It's well, I'll put my two cents in there. I'm kind of new at this. So I refer to them as the Illuminati or have been, and he refers to them as something differently and you do as well. So I think it's like a progression. You're like, okay, that's really kind of a catch all that doesn't, the Illuminati isn't really, you know, I think it's a, it's a, Basic word? Sorry. I'm probably going to piss somebody off. No, I agree. It's a gateway word. I think it's like a catch-all. Yeah, yeah. But we're we're all talking, uh, again, language. We're all talking about the same thing here. Rich, powerful elites. Yes. And, you know, these people who, I talk about this all the time, too, get, like, so worked up about, oh, the Illuminati. Like, okay, if we just look at this, like, on just a pure logic level, the rich and powerful would have to be pretty damn stupid not to get together and, you know, kind of conspire for their own benefit. Like, why would we think that stuff like that wasn't going on? You know, there's been secret societies since the beginning of time. Like, come on. Yeah. 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 Like, If you don't believe that there's at least a group that talks about changing the world, like you're fucking crazy. Like they're there. We're not crazy for thinking that they're there. They're there. They may not be doing like magic. I like how people think they are, but they're, they're trying to control the world as much as they possibly can. And when you got that much fucking money, you could probably throw enough to change reality. (laughs) And that's why I think it's always like kind of funny when people get so up in arms about the, the idea of the Illuminati. Like, okay, whatever they're doing, like we'd have to be stupid that some to think that something like that isn't going on on some level. I mean, I think if anything, the Illuminati is like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say like, like the more, more so like the hip hopper thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's like a subsection of like this bigger group, but I think Illuminati specifically is more so referring to like the rich and powerful as far as like entertainment goes. I kind of, that's, that's like the energy that I get from it at least like Jay-Z and shit. Everybody thinks he's like the top, (laughs) the Illuminati or whatever, you know, he may be, but I definitely think that if there is an Illuminati, that's part of like the bigger organization of the elites or the Freemasons, whatever you want to call it, they're just a subsection. He may be the top of that subsection, but he's still nowhere near the fucking top by any means. <laughs> so you're saying you don't think Jay-Z has like a UFO with rims on it in his garage? 
too much. Don't no no. No, I think he's actually stepping through portals into orga- or into uh, satanic orgies involving everybody. Just, just just everybody. Just everybody banging everybody. Nobody's straight. Nobody's gay. Everybody just bangs whatever hole is the closest to them. <laughs> That's right, what she said. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna grab another beer before we move on. If that's all right. This has gotten so intense. I need another beer. <laughs> all right, so let me find where I was. All right, find where you were. Okay. Push up the glasses real quick. I have to do like Mr. <laughs> Yellow jackets. All right, so after our Illuminati secret society sidebar there, uh, this mysterious Mr. Smith also told Danny Gordon that they would try to infect him, being Danny, with skin contact chemicals if he went on this trip. Basically, like they would put poison on his car door handle and he'd touch it and he he'd either die or he'd take it home to his kids and they'd die and so naturally danny gordon asked more about who they were and all smith would say was that they were an international cartel that was in control of the ufos and he also said that they were based in underground installations. And, you know, oh. anything, uh, <laughs> anything having to do with underground shit just drives us wild over here. So. <laughs> underground and underwater. That's what we've been talking about forever. That's where these things are coming from. <laughs> yep. So the next day, Gordon called a friend in the Virginia State Police, and he did some digging, and he discovered that this Mr. Smith was indeed a real person. That was his real name, and he did have some sort of association with the police chief in Clifton Forge, Virginia. So, Hmm. I mean, all that this guy said might have been bullshit. I don't think it all was, but... He was at least a real person, and that was his real name. Mr. Smith. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the most sketchy name slash men in black name I've ever heard of in my fucking life. Like in the Matrix? Slash the Matrix, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Standard issue name for men in black. Smith Johnson. And if you put them together, it sounds like a dick. Mm. Got that Smithy Johnson. (laughs) Look out now. Throw, that's what she said in there. That's what she said. Just for good measure. Oh, right. and one of these. We haven't used that one in a while. <laughs> so, moving on, on April 28th, 1988. So, keep in mind, you know, all this started in October. So, this is about six months into the flap. They hosted a third UFO conference, and this time it was at the Wythe County Public Library. And around the same time, the Roanoke Times published a story about, you know, the stealth bombers that were coming out around that time, late 80s, early to mid 90s. You know, like the typical kind of batwing, triangle-shaped stealth bombers. It looks like the fucking Batarang, if anybody isn't familiar. Yeah, exactly. And so I think the my understanding was this article that they posted about it was just like about the stealth bomber. It wasn't in regards to the UFO flap, but a lot of people came out and said, Oh, that's what I saw. That was the craft. So could that be people just, you know, putting pieces together in their mind? Could it be that a lot of people actually saw them testing this stealth bomber? I think that's probably true. Could it be the Pepsi uh, stealth bomber giveaway? Ooh, they actually did give it away to one of the elites. The public didn't get it. It was one of the elites. 
They would have enough money to drink all the Pepsi. All the Pepsi. To get the stealth bomber. They didn't even fucking drink the Pepsi. They just bought all the cases and said, give me the fucking, <laughs> give me the stealth bomber. <laughs> it better have a Pepsi logo on it. That's right. <laughs> Corporate synergy. <laughs> but anyway, so Danny Gordon, of course, did not believe that this stealth bomber could be responsible for all the sightings uh, because apart from the triangle shaped craft, there were so many other uh, crafts reported that he just thought that that might be one aspect of it, but it obviously wasn't all of them. So around this time, Danny kind of slowed down with his research and he said at that point in time, from October of 1987 to May of 1988, uh, he claimed to see more than 50 individual sightings. And sometimes he saw as many as three different UFOs in the same day. So, you know, I don't know if this was just him being hyper aware of the situation, you know, him just constantly being on the lookout. And he basically said that's why he called the book Don't Look Up, because as soon as you see these things and get involved in UFOs and the community, it's real hard to get out, basically. It's addicting as hell. Yeah. So in July of 1988, he was rushed to the hospital with chest pains and shortness of breath. And he was diagnosed with trauma of the esophagus brought on by stress. So basically it was, you know, the stress of this whole situation. He wasn't sleeping. He was basically doing two full-time jobs. He was still having to do all his radio station business and basically, um, you know, researching UFOs full-time on top of it. So when he was released from the hospital, he vowed to, you know, take a big step back from the UFO activity and investigation at that point in time. And when he was kind of recovering from all that, that's when he started working on the book. So that kind of takes us to the end of the main story. Um, the reports were still kind of coming in, trickling in at that point. Um, most of the flap had kind of died down. You know, he said in his talk at the conference that, you know, they still see stuff in this area, but it's very rare. They just see them from time to time. Um, so that kind of brings us to the end of the main story, but I can jump into kind of what Danny Gordon said his conclusions were and kind of some of my thoughts on it. If you guys don't have anything you want to touch on before then. Uh, I got to hear these uh, thoughts and theories and then I will throw in my thoughts and theories. All right, Not that I haven't so, already been throwing in my theories this whole time, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> so this is Danny Gordon's conclusions straight from the book. So it's kind of going to be just a quote I'm going to read because I feel like it does it more justice to read his actual words than me to paraphrase it. So quote, I have come to this conclusion each day in the U S thousands of people disappear and are never seen again. Aircraft crash, never to be recovered or spotted again. Unusual species like Sasquatch, enormous black panthers, and lizard people are seen. And then they are gone. It's almost like you see them, now you don't. I believe the answer to the disappearance of people daily, sightings of unusual animals, and the many UFO sightings are the result of one thing, a parallel universe. What if they are all coming from the future? Each time we have a UFO sighting, it could very well be that it slipped through a time portal. The same can be said for sightings of Bigfoot or other creatures. 
They merely slip through the hole in the universes and then return the same way. And more than likely, these creatures and so-called little green men are not human. I believe they are artificial life forms, something our scientists are currently working to develop. As far as the number of people who are lost, I believe they slip through the time warp and are unable to return. The crafts we are calling unidentified are vehicles from our future flying through a time hole and then returning. Sorry, I had a so, kid pop up over here. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So when I was reading this book, I was not thinking that's where he was going to go with his conclusions. And, you know, this is shit we talk about on the show all the time, like the connection between these cryptids and, you know, even missing 411 type stuff and UFOs and all this high strangeness phenomenon, how it's all connected. And at no point in the book did he ever talk about cryptids or Bigfoot or anything like that. So when he like drops this bomb in the very last chapter, like when Jenny came home from work, I had read this chapter. I was like, holy shit. I've, so I like read her verbatim what I just read you guys. But this is going to be a good episode. But That kind of gets into what I was even saying with my whole theory about the microscopic wormhole network, that there are specific areas where it might open up more at specific times. And that's where you have these influxes of all these weird things happening is because the port, the wormholes are bigger so more things are coming through it at that particular time but like i don't think that have like of course things like flying ships they can trans transverse through these things but when you're talking about like sasquatch things like that i think it's more just like how people have those weird temporary time slip things that they do the same thing and it's not that they're intentionally interdimensional they're not like going and popping into another dimension they're more so just like existing where they are and accidentally walking through something and even going into his theory about things being from the future or from the past I think I may have stated this on a previous episode, but you could look at it like the little green men, all those things are coming from the future. Maybe Sasquatch is coming from a time in the past. Maybe reptilians are also coming from a time in the past or a time in the future, but assumably they're... It, through Earth's existence, there's been times when life has gone up and gone down, gone up and gone down. So each one of those times, there could have been different things that evolved to get to a different point. And I've talked about this with the whole like cataclysms theory um, that we know maybe there was a time when the most advanced type of being was some type of reptilian being and they knew that there was a cataclysm coming so the elites of them left the planet and the rest were stuck to stay here and some of them went underground some of them are still kind of around but they found some of them maybe found a way to survive here and same with uh you know the little green men type thing uh you hear about all of these like different weird like cave creatures that kind of have like mm -hmm. the same visual appearance as these extraterrestrials and my theory on that and i think i talked about it on the last episode too was that, you know, if there was this civilization that existed here and they knew that a cataclysm was coming, all the elites, again, left the planet. That's the aliens that we know of, the greys. And then all the other ones were stuck to stay on the planet. They went underground because maybe they knew there was an impact coming. And after adapting from years and years and years of living underground, that's kind of just where they are now. And they ended up turning into these, like, primal-looking UFO or these primal looking extraterrestrials because they may be related to them. It's just two different aspects in one went into an advanced civilization. The other one basically went into, you know, living primal. So that's where like the visual and like the difference in how they act kind of comes into play, but they, they look the same. Just one looks like, again, it went somewhere advanced and the other one went primal. <laughs> They're feral aliens. Exactly. That's, that's a better way of wording it. Yeah. Feral aliens. That's what these cave goblins are. Is fucking feral uh, aliens. 
We need to put that on t-shirts ASAP. Oh, yeah. Feral Aliens. alien cave goblins. No, I agree with all that 100%. <laughs> and, you know, I'm so into this parallel stuff, too. Like, things come in from other places. Like you said, from behind or from above. And this isn't my thought. Someone who came on the podcast said this thing about, like, um, Sasquatch. When he comes, when they come here, they might get stuck here because they've had adolescence and they have to stay here long enough to raise their adolescence. Don't remember who said that, but I'm like, that makes so much sense to me. So, I mean, even if they walk through a time slip, some of them are stuck here. They may not be from here, but because some of them didn't go back, they ended up creating a breeding population of these things that exist in our reality Mm -hmm. now, but it doesn't mean they ever started here. Exactly. And I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but, you know, kind of the whole connection between UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings and orbs and all that. I think it's very possible that, you know, whether it's just, you know, nuts and bolts technology element 115 type shit or, you know, the more wormhole portal type stuff. I think it's very possible that this alien technology, whatever they're using to travel here, opens up something that that's what. Yeah. And that's Uh when these cryptid creatures kind of come through and get stuck. You know, that could be the Mothman thing because the injured cold uh, encounter sighting, whatever you want to call it happened before any reports of Mothman happened. So again, we're talking about chicken and egg situations. Maybe this alien technology, whether they're from the future, whether they're ultra terrestrials, whether they're extraterrestrials, whatever they're doing to manipulate time, space, our reality to get here is ripping these, you know, kind of pinholes in the veil and these things are coming through. And that could even fit in with the microscopic wormhole theory that I'm talking about is that maybe those pinpricks are the microscopic wormholes. Absolutely. Or we're just all in a simulation. These are all the same things and there's something outside of the simulation and they just pick a playable character and then come the fuck on in. Shame. We're not talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds batshit fucking crazy, but that's honestly where a lot of my shit back goes to is like the whole simulation theory. Because I mean, again, if we created a video game that or some type of like simulated reality, like why wouldn't you want to? You, why would you want to just sit back in spectator mode all the time? You'd want to pop in, you want to interact, you want to have some fun with it. Why not? <laughs> Be a so, Sasquatch. So for all the listeners, uh, my co-hosts know this. Uh, the simulation gives me such intense anxiety. I can't really deal with it. So this is just one of those things. I'm like, ah. <laughs> she'll just get to a point where she'll just take off the headphones yeah, and walk away. I'll She's leave. done it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying anyone's wrong. It just gives me uh, so uh, much anxiety. I'll let you know when we're done talking about the matrix. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so like I said, when I started this book, I was not expecting it to end up here. <laughs> so, I just what a twist. I, yeah, I was like, <laughs> damn. Like that's basically everything we talk about on this show kind of wrapped up in his conclusions, thoughts about this. And actually, when he was speaking at the conference, um, yeah, he's an older gentleman at this point and um yeah, has recently lost his wife and I think has had some health problems. So he didn't talk very long. But he took questions at the end and, you know, he's kind of talking about this idea that, you know, we see all these drones now and a lot of what was being seen before were 
basically just government surveillance drones spying on the public. And so I asked a question. I said, you know, at the end of the book, you talk about this idea of them coming from alternate universes, realities, or the future. I was like, have you changed your mind in light of, you know, this whole government thing? No. Yeah, and I didn't even get the he question out. He's like, no, no. <laughs> so, like, he, as a 70-whatever-year-old man, is still emphatic. He thinks this is what's going on. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty damn cool. It also makes a fun story that he cut you off to say no. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it was emphatic. I agree with you. You need... You don't need to say anymore. No, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's Danny Gordon's conclusions. And, you know, my personal conclusions, thoughts, theories, you know, I largely believe him and agree with him. But I do think it's really possible that just given all the ins and outs of this case, that there was some kind of military or government element of, uh, testing what have you going on there and again chicken and the egg is it possible that whatever the government was doing kind of drew the intention of or opened a window to something else and that's where these other things came from but it does seem to me like there was some sort of military aspect to it but that like danny gordon said that can't explain all of it but I don't know. Just something I think is kind of interesting to think about. Just a pro- Project Motok type of situation where they accidentally opened a portal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe so. And they were doing some kind of testing on some high-level something, and maybe you know it opened a microscopic wormhole or... I mean, supposedly, what? The Philadelphia experiment happened in the, what, the 30s or the 40s? So they were already something attempting like to open portals back then. So just imagine where they would be at in the 80s. And then imagine where they would be at now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Montauk, when was that? That was like 70s or 80s too, wasn't it? 80s, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, we'd have to be ludicrous to think that the government isn't dabbling in all sorts of shit that we can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's, at the end of the day, my opinion is it's a combination of two things. There was some sort of terrestrial government experimentation testing going on but there was some weird shit going on too so might be like i said that they took advantage of the fact that there's already weird shit happening to test their Mm -hmm. shit so it'd just be included with the other weird shit which i think happens all the fucking time anytime there's multiple ufos seen i think it's one ufo is seen and then they just take advantage of it to even that same day to fly as many fucking underground things as they possibly can just to test them out because they know it'll be all grouped as the same thing And something that popped into my head when you just said that, that I hadn't thought about before is, you know, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of my notes, even though this was, you know, rural 1987, small town, how did Danny Gordon find out about this? The local sheriff told him about something that happened. So, I mean, not saying like the sheriff or whatever was in on this, but that's kind of funny to think about in light of what you just said. I mean, even controlled narrative, that being said, the people that are involved in that don't even realize that they're necessarily involved in it. You know, like the sheriff could have been, you know, he could have been given the information or, you know, it gets passed passed down through him and he may not have realized it, but he could have been a pawn in the play of trying to control this narrative because maybe like, 
you know, they had a couple of sightings that got reported to him directly. And then from there, they knew that he was going to go and find somebody to tell about this. So then they just kind of were, maybe there were some real ones, maybe there were some fake ones coordinated into it. Um, but, you know, I think that there was still a matter of anybody that's involved in a controlled op, I don't think that 90% of the people even realize that they are. <laughs> or they're doing it with the best of intentions, you know? Yeah, you got to trick people into thinking that they're doing it for a good reason because otherwise nobody's going to do half this shit. That's why I said you can't let people be in on the plan. You just have to use them as a moving cog. Otherwise, there's a chance that they might fuck up the plan. But if people aren't aware of the plan, then all the cogs are going to move way easier. Who was that second speaker that spoke right after Danny? Uh, Danny was the last speaker. No, someone came up. Was that, wasn't that a... That one, the sheriff was. Oh, the the other older gentleman yeah. that was with him. Okay, so that was like just one of his local buddies. Oh, um, okay, okay, okay. I was yeah, just no, that, sure that it wasn't, wasn't the sheriff. No, it <laughs> wasn't right. the sheriff. Uh, they talk about him in the book, and I had him in my notes, but I didn't highlight it because I, I didn't think his name was like. Okay, no, I was just curious. Okay, uh, was that pertinent to the whole story? But yeah, when Danny just was beginning to investigate all this, like some local people helped him out with it, like his local buddy. And then like once news of this spread, like some paranormal investigator from New York came and, okay. Which kind of leads me into one of my other uh, observations and all this is it seems like there was a lot of similarities between this Withfield case and the Mothman case. And granted John Keel's book was out by this time. But, you know, it kind of revolves around a small Appalachian town, weird shit going on, a local person kind of becoming the hub of all the reporting and whatnot. And granted, uh, you know, Keel was from New York, but there was a Mary Hire or Hare, what, the local reporter that was kind of central to the Mothman sightings. There was, you know, all the men in black activity that was going on. I mean, even... Danny Gordon talking about uh, these entities coming from the future. That sounds a lot like John Keel's Ultra Terrestrials to me. And um, in the book, and this I thought was just wild. This is my second favorite part of the book other than the conclusion. Uh, it's on page 35 in my edition, which is the one you can just readily get on Amazon. But Danny Gordon straight up talks about like John Keel's Wednesday phenomenon. Like he doesn't say it's John Keels, but he said that many of the sightings occurred on Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and in rural areas. So, I mean, that's just another feather to put in the cap of all this stuff is connected and maybe it's just diff the same thing wearing different masks, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then just a few miscellaneous odds and ends, uh, things I noticed. Um, sorry, you're gonna have to cut this out. I got lost in my notes. Wait, well, I'll say something while you're looking. Mm -hmm. Something I noticed in his speech, um, you read something where he said he was threatened. His family was threatened. Yeah. His children were threatened. Mm -hmm. And his, um, his talk, his speech, he said that his son had been shot in the head. Yeah, this is not in the book, what she's about to say. Had been shot in the head at uh, either a party yeah, or a he bar was, or something. My understanding, blind. yeah, he was like 
late teens, early 20s, yeah. and was at like a, a house party or something. And got shot in the head and lost his sight. And, and the people said that the shooters were two men wearing black suits. Hmm. They actually let in with their threats that they said. Because, of course, you mm-hmm. know, the government, yeah. it's probably way better for them to attack your kids because, you know, when it comes to either your kids or yourself, which one are you going to care about more? Like you can do whatever exactly. you want to me, but don't touch my kids. <laughs> exactly. Well, and he didn't give us an exact time frame, but just from like reading in the book, it seemed like this was years later after, you know, all the big activity, which is probably why it's not in the book. Cause I think his children were far younger than that age at this point. It could have just been a response to the book itself that he laid yeah. off the, net, yeah. the stuff, but he put the book out and they were like, all right, we told you not to. So now they're taking it. They did something about it, you know? Yeah. And uh, kind of just one more thing about the whole Mothman connection. Um, so this isn't during the main UFO flap, but in 1967 in South Hill, Virginia, uh, there's a man named C.N. Crowder. And he said that he saw an object that he described as a storage tank on legs come down and land in the middle of the road. And investigators found like a large black mark on the road where he said he found it. That sounds exactly like the Woody Derenberger injured cold account, like the, the storage tank on legs landing in the middle of the road, 67. It's even the same time period. So could be the same exact thing. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like Danny Gordon didn't have you know this information at the time he wrote the book, but there's just a lot of weird similarities in there to me. And um, something else kind of funny in the book that didn't really tie in anywhere else is one witness that Danny Gordon interviewed um, that had seen UFO activity. He said that he thought that there was something down in the caves and the coal mines in this area. And so Danny Gordon kind of did some digging and he found out that there was a large network of underground caves and tunnels in with County. It's the feral goblin aliens. They're coming down to pick up their ancestors to bring them back home. Yeah. And somebody <laughs> else he talked to said that he thought that there was a colony of Bigfoots living in the caves so, like, th- these local people were just, like, talking about this shit just so cavalier. Like, oh, yeah, there's there's Bigfoots living in caves down here. So, <laughs> I mean, but, that would logically make sense. That would be the best place for coverage and for hiding. Yeah, but so that's kind of all I had. Uh, just some random odds and ends to end us up that didn't really fit anywhere else. But I really enjoyed researching this i enjoyed the conference uh we had a blast i don't know if there's anything you want to talk about uh, well just give a a shout out to uh is it cryptid headquarters yes yeah so (laughs) they always put on a good show and um that was fun and we saw uh jess and kim from broken broken arrow uh broken branch branch. Uh, jess wasn't there but kim was uh and they're the the ladies who run Encounter Quest, mm-hmm. so it was nice to see them. Um, let's see who else. Oh, did we get to uh, Lisa, is it Lisa from Squanch? Who's running Squanch? Yes, we met her. Super nice lady. Oh, from Cryptid nice. Comfort. Yes, yes. Because her, her and Joe from Crypto Theology are the ones putting on uh, Squonkapalooza together. Oh, perfect. Yeah, well, she's a sweetheart. So yeah, we sit and talk to her for twenty minutes, probably. So, 
Uh, yeah. Um, she actually got to meet me at Monster Fest. You guys should have said you're from Bizarre Encounters. You said you got to meet the whole team, but we haven't even well, gotten to meet each other. <laughs> we had the shirts we on. We had the shirts so. on. No, she spoke to us. She's super, super sweet. We uh, met Asher from, yeah, from um, on Wednesdays. We, we talked talk weird. weird. Yeah. Um, that was fun. Um, yeah, it was just like it was a fun networking situation just to get to you meet bought some people. crystals. I bought some crystals. I bought some. Uh, I bought a uh, Kentucky Goblin from Lisa. Um, what else? We oh, I think I got one of those same ones. I got the first <laughs> gen though, so he still has the arms and he has the spaceship. But oh, yeah, she started doing them now. Yeah, I got I got yeah. the first generation she was doing. I, I saw those at Monster Fest that she changed it up, and I'm like, awesome! I got one of the first ones. She's like, yeah, you're one of the last ones to get one. I was like, <laughs> that's yes. so cool. That is so cool. But well, I'm jealous that we don't get to go to Squonka Blues. I don't think we can make it there, but I'm happy that 33.3 percent of Bizarre Crew is going to be representing. Yeah, we're uh, we're jealous we can't make it to that one. It looks like there's going to be a lot of cool people and. A lot of cool stuff at that one. So, well, if you guys are happen to make it out there for some reason or whatever, we can always coordinate. We can figure it out. Just, just throwing <laughs> it out there. We got some time. <laughs> but I guess uh, with that, it's probably a good st- spot to start wrapping it up a bit. So, uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with friends through word of mouth. And if you haven't already, don't forget to review and rate the show on Spotify and iTunes. And uh, if you guys leave us an awesome review on iTunes, of course, we will give you a shout out on the show and read it out on the show. And with that, do all the internet things. Reach out to us on social media, through email, suggestions, uh, any way you want to contribute to the show. All complaints. That stuff. <laughs> you still want to hear complaints. Why not? No complaints. <laughs> Don't complain about us. We're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're doing our best. We're, we're trying our best. best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that to me? Oh, and to me, if you like trees, like apple trees, palm trees, orange trees, you'll like our link tree because it has so much nice shit, and you can find that in the show notes. So um, full of fruits. <laughs> so full of fruits. So full. It was. <laughs> Plump and juicy fruits. That's what she said. <laughs> I had to hit it one more time for the end. <laughs> and uh, with that... I've been the Shane Squatch. And I think I was the people's champion, Orrin Felix, tonight. Definitely the people's oh. champion. And I'm Linktree Jenny. <laughs> Not basic Jenny, but Linktree Jenny. Yeah, Linktree Jenny. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, guys, to always, always stay bizarre. 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 <laughs>